Hello and welcome to the Boston GAA podcast. In episode three, the theme is hurling. We speak with Clinton Hennessy. Clinton came to Boston at the young age of 17 and spent eight years and played hurling with the Tipperary Hurling Club as a goalkeeper, winning three championships in Boston and a North American. On his return to Ireland, Clinton played with the Waterford Intercounty team, winning two Munster titles and a National League. We also speak with Alec Foley from the New Hampshire Wolves and Mike Kennelly from the Providence Hurling Club. Both clubs are founded and essentially run by all Americans in the New England area. New Hampshire is the oldest of the junior clubs, while Providence is one of the newest. So we talk to Mike and Alec about the history of their clubs and their experience playing hurling and trying to spread the word in their respective areas. So let's uh, talk to Clinton. All right, Clinton. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. And um, I guess we start off with how, how are things going at home? Are you still playing at the club? No, not, not playing anymore. I haven't played in a couple now, so I'm getting a bit old, too old for that. So um, hung up the boots. Probably uh, a couple of years ago, it took a while as a goalkeeper. I suppose you're always kind of, you can get the call any day to step yeah. I think I'm well and truly overdone now. <laughs> what about the kids? Are you involved with the kids at all? Yeah, I am. Yeah, my two my two oldest boys are playing under ten and under eight, so I'm involved with um, the under eights this year. So I'm um, between coaching them and bringing them, keeping me busy anyway. <laughs> it's keeping you busy. So um, yeah, and how's it going with the um, things? Are they opening up a little bit more when it comes to the the youth sports at all? Um, they have been, yeah. Just in the last week or so, it's been supposed to be worrying again. Are they going to close down again or what? But um, I suppose it's been great to get a summer out of it. Full back maybe in April or May. Thought we mightn't have any hurling this year, and uh, it's great. That we've actually got a good bit of, as it is, and I suppose for the kids getting out, meeting their friends, just getting out and about at all is is a bonus. Because as I said, it looked like that we mightn't get out at all this year. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, it's kind of been in that way here. You know, the kids have had a chance to train. A lot of things were called off, you know, and so on. So that was a that was a pity for them. But uh, now, you, are your kids involved with your own club there? Ardmore was you were involved with? No, I'm I'm actually living up in the north, Rory. I'm I'm in Antrim at the moment. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm up here. I'm up here since I left Boston that time of five years. So that's where that's where your wife is from. Lucky and Shamrock, so that's the club um, they're with now. So I really? have to change to the red and white. Jesus, I, I didn't know that. I thought you went back to water. No, I, I, I did for the first time I left Boston, but the last time I left Boston to come back over up here. Ah, right. right. And did you meet your wife um, in Boston or? I met her in Boston. Oh, did you? Jesus. In Scotland, just arrived of all places. <laughs> um, yeah. Funny, a few weeks ago, I was talking to um, a fella who uh, I had him on the, the podcast, um, and he's uh, he came out here and played with Tom's um, from Antrim. So he's probably with the, with the rival club up there. Uh, his name was Ali Dewey. Dewey, yeah, from Dunloy. Dunloy, yeah. He, had a, he has a cousin there, Shane Dewey, who came out, and he played with Tom's the last couple of seasons, so he'd be a rival. <laughs> Yeah, they're only over the road. They they, they actually won the championship. They should have beat Lockheed in the final. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. So that's great for you, though, that you, you know, 
you kind of went you went up north and you you landed in uh, in hurling country up there yeah made it easier i suppose i probably might have been as inclined to go somewhere else if the hurling wasn't there but um no they're fairly fairly hurling up here in north Antrim anyway yeah yeah well that's what i gathered from the alley definitely um but uh, going back to your your own underage, suppose your your own club at home. Um, did you was your background like a kind of a hurling background, or or how did you how did you get involved with the club? Is it just something that you you do type of thing down in down in Waterford? The one that's strange, um, our club would be mostly football. We would have been, um, and we'd always been both of them being a senior football club. Uh, hurling was when I was young, there wasn't much hurling in the club, very little hurling in the club. And we kind of joined with other clubs when it got to under 14 and um, um, under 16 age groups. And uh, kind of started off the club under 12, really, was when you started. It's probably late enough starting to hurl. And just kind of, I got asked to send the goals one day in a, or an under 12 match and kind of just did okay and took to it and kept at it. There wasn't, there wasn't an awful lot of hurling in the club at that time, but uh, yeah. you know, we, we, we were really playing a lower grade. The adult team would have been junior, and you know it's, it's come a long way in the last 20, 25 years. But at that time, there was very little hurling in our club. Yeah, and there, so yeah, Ardmore, I've been reading, was um, primarily known for football. And yes. uh, and was it something where when you 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 you've been a goalkeeper just the whole time then for hurling? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but um, just kind of like would as I said, played a lot of football, and then just got into the hurling, just took to love it, and just kind of started playing it all the time. And just yeah. probably. Been late, no stats, and I wasn't a very late starter in the goals and, and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So not, not everybody enjoys the goals, but um, no, I, I enjoyed it. I probably, but when you start seeing yourself being okay, to keep going. Yeah, yeah. And um, was it something then that you decided like you, you preferred the hurling to the football, or you just kind of you kind of liked it? You like both yeah. sports regardless. Probably like both, but I, I did prefer the hurling once I kind of got into the hurling and started playing. It kind of, I, I, I did prefer the hurling now. Um, um, at the time, just kind of, I suppose, yeah. I just kind of got into it, and as I said, once you started doing well, then you kind of you keep going, and you I suppose I probably I probably needed to practice at it, so keep going. Yeah, and you must have come to um, the notice then of the the county um, because you were were you um, were you on the Waterford minors underage? Did you play underage with Waterford? I, did, I was actually on the panel when I left to go to America the first time. I was actually on the panel, and um, I didn't stay around pretty much if I went to. The, I went out to Boston that April before it started. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you, um, would that have been your first year minor? It would have been my first year minor, yeah. Right. So you came to Boston at a young age. I was 17 when I went, yeah. Yeah. Probably, must, probably a, bit, um, a bit young. <laughs> Must have been kind of daunting, and you know, coming over to a whole new place. So at 17, That's that must have been very, you know... But I suppose it was kind of it was one of those decisions that I made very fast, and I and I suppose my, my father didn't have time to talk me out. But I think that was probably the big uh, the big thing too. You know, I just kind of decided. Mike McGrath called me, and I had said no. I he actually called my parents, and I had kind of said no. I said yeah first, and then I said no, and then um, I just got a notion one time one week, and I said look, the deadline was approaching. I said look, I'll go, and I suppose if I didn't do it that way, I would never have gone. Yeah, and I just said. I, the summer wouldn't do me any harm and um, just went and I said to my father, I'd go all along, so he didn't really, he couldn't stop me in the end. So I kind of got really <laughs> my mind up, I was gone within a week, so. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I suppose, you know, sometimes you just decide you're going to do it and just do it before you, you give yourself too much time to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Think about it too much, I probably wouldn't have gone, you know. Yeah, so Mike, yeah, Mike is, um, he's a Waterford man. He's from Arapore as well, yeah. So same club. 
Oh, so that yeah. was the connection. All ah, right, right. Yeah. And you went straight. Uh, you went straight to Tipperary when you came to Boston, then. I did, yeah. Um, Mike was involved manager of Tipperary that time, so yeah, um, Tipperary. And you must have. Um, you had a, a very successful playing career in Boston. Um, I did. It took a while. I think it took um, 95. I was there the first year and we lost the first couple of finals. And then um, it was 97. Um, we won the first one. Uh, we went on to do three in a row after that. But uh, it took, took a while to get the first one. Yeah. And you, you played in, did you play in, did you get to a final every year that you played in Boston? Yeah. Except, yeah. Um, sorry, 2014, I went for a, for a short time, for five or six weeks, we didn't get out. Of doing. I played. I played in Boston ten seasons. I played in nine finals. Finals. And you won. Did you win five. three or four? Five. Five. Won five yeah. championships. And yeah. uh, now you you would have played. You would you would have been there early enough to have memories of Del Boy. Oh yeah, for a couple of years. Yeah, uh, three or four years even. But what year was Canton? Ninety nine. First year in Canton. Canton opened in the middle of 99, yeah, the middle of the summer, like July, I think. That's right, yeah, because I think we played the semi-final and the final in Canton, I think that was that year. In 19, oh yeah, he, um, he won it in 99, so he would have won the first yeah. hurling champion in Canton. Yeah. Um, and any, you know, Dalboy was a, a, a tight field, and, a, <laughs> you know, do you have any, like recollection of you know what would you say was, was the hardest part about playing on um i suppose being a goalie you know i suppose it was probably it was so congested i suppose anyway you really congested and there wasn't a lot of grass and then by in the middle of the summer either but, um, it, it was yeah it was strange i suppose i was young and i was kind of just it, it took me a while to get the feel of things there i suppose you, you don't know fellas and um i suppose you're a bit intimidated it was tough it was tough hurling in delvoy and i suppose back then you know when you had uh you know i know with hurling obviously numbers weren't always you know maybe as high as the football but you know, you still had rivalries that kind of simmered from year to year between the clubs where, where a lot of the fellas are them guys every year. That's true, too. Yeah, you were kind of up against the same lads. And um, I suppose Delvoy and Canton were, were completely different. Whereas Delvoy, you, you weren't really going to get away from anyone too easy. You probably marked the lads, and it wasn't as easy to find space in Delvoy as it was in, in Canton. It was, yeah. you know, so I suppose it was the same players. A lot of, the majority of the teams were the same players every year. So when you play teams regularly, it creates rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, so Canton moving to Canton was a, a bit of a luxury where you had the big field and you had proper dressing rooms and all that type of thing. I think Canton retired a lot of them. <laughs> You're probably right there. So going back to, you know, the Tipperary teams that you played with over the years um, in Boston, I suppose if you if you think back on on the, the different teams or maybe a championship team, and it doesn't matter whether it was home base or away base, but who would you... Who would you think was the best player or that you might have played with? Um, I suppose obviously we had um, brought out, you know, way based players and there were some great ones. Um, um, you know, county players that really came out were really good. I suppose it's probably hard to think of them all at the moment, but I suppose a standout player for me and I had a good relationship on the field and off the field would, would have been Seamus Hickey from Tipperary. Which, uh... you know, or a back, a really, really top class player. Yeah, I remember Seamus playing was a uh, solid, solid cornerback. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I suppose as a goalkeeper, you probably you'd have a relationship with those guys. Well, that was that was the kind of thing we did, uh, even off the field, we were, and we still are great friends. And um, so we probably drove Mike McGrath mad at times, and Seamus would pass the ball back to me, and we'd be passing it in and out to each other. There was a bit more space in in, uh, in Canton for you know with both back, so you're using the goalkeeper a bit more. And um, no, just just one of those players that you you click with. He knew what I was doing, and I knew what he was doing. It's just we had a good understanding. Look, yeah. there was loads of great players. It's hard to kind of you know pick out pick one out yeah and even think about think about um, all the fellas I played with they were so many it's hard to yeah you lose count I really you even forget some fellas some, sometimes you know it's just yeah yeah um, and you won you won one North American in your time here I did my last year or yeah 2002 it was yeah we won the, the yeah. North American yeah, yeah. that was great uh, great experience so it's kind of a nice way to finish your you know i suppose your 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 first stint in boston with the with the north american it was great or i suppose it was probably one of the teams um we won with we went to chicago we not we we, we missing a few lads and we won the semi-final we had, we had two lads sent off and chris dunn would be in our main forward that time and that's right and yeah Derek from cork and you know we, we were we weren't given a chance in the final school columns and and they were one seven to a pint up early on and it was just one of those games that we won pure character was that it was kind of surprising in a way that um like we, our work, we were going to have a workout out before the game and then to be down to the start it looked like it was over but um yeah we, we came back i think that's made it all the sweeter we won it by a point in the end and it was it was just we got a massive performance with so many lads that made a special day you know yeah, yeah, and I actually remember that game. I was I was in Chicago that weekend. I remember Cullen's getting that goal. It looked like uh, you know he might have been toast when the goal yeah. went in. And uh, yeah, he just kept chipping away and chipping away, and, and ended up winning it in the end. Yeah, and, uh, that was a double for Tipperary that year too, because the juniors won. That's right, yeah. and, and that was the thing. Liam Barron had started the se- had played the junior final, and he'd started full back in the senior final as well. And um, it was actually a, a funny moment. And when they scored that goal, Liam was on his knees, and he just turned around to me and said, "Sorry." When it was, I think it was um, Kieran Morrison from Cork scored the goal, and he just yeah. he, cut, he cut the ball and scored. And Liam over down his knees, he looked up at me and said, "Sorry." <laughs> I think he thought I was going to give up. <laughs> well, I suppose you kind of have to as a goalkeeper, no matter what sport you play. And you, you were a very accomplished footballer too, the Shannon Blues. Um, but um, you kind of have to keep the defenders on their toes, right? Oh yeah, so it's part of the job, really. Like you know, and you, you, you look at you no, know, you, you hear the same old thing all the time. The keepers can see everything, and they can. Like, and it's look, it's, it's your job to kind of build up a relationship, and fellas trust you, and you trust them, and that's important to you know, the goalkeepers managing the game and, and look after the fellas in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Now with football, you you started off on goal. Was that right? I did. I did. Yeah. The first year I went out there, I kind of. I didn't really have any football, but um, it was Joey Moriarty with Donegal that year, and he was on to Mike, and I went playing with Donegal that summer, but I didn't play junior football with him. Yeah. And um, then I, I went home after that summer, and uh, I was coming back out the following year again, and Joey had gone back to the Blues. Yeah. So he'd, he'd, he'd want to be, he'd promise me that I could play senior football the following year, so, so I ended up back to the Blues then. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose there's well, there's a relationship there kind of between Tipperary and the Blues. There'd be a lot of crossover. Yeah, that developed after I think. Yeah, it kind of did. It did happen. Um, a lot of players did did cross over. You know, yeah. the same color, same color jerseys. It was made it easier. That's right. That's right. And I can't remember now with the Blues. I know the Blues. Um, you know, there was a controversial final there the first year in Canton. That was right. Yeah. In '99, and you were on that Blues team, weren't you? Right. I was. I, I didn't final that day. We we beat Kerry. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. 
Um, yeah. Um, and with the Blues, did you did you win any other championship, Shannon? Oh no, just that one. Except that one in '99. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I know. You know, back in the day when uh, when you were playing and you were out here, certainly in terms of hurling, um, you would have been regarded as the best hurling goalie and probably, if not the best, very close to being one of the, the best goalkeepers in football too. Uh, well, I suppose I, I probably would have been an outfield player in football at home, you know, with the club, but I would have played a bit in goals, but uh, just with, with trying to do both out in Boston was easier day because of um, training and stuff like that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to, and hurling was my first priority, so, yeah, yeah. You know, we the same nights and all, uh, and the Blues kind of accepted I wouldn't be training too often, so, you know, right. playing goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose, so, you know, you, you see some situations where dual players live two games in one day out here and it could be an 80 degree day if a hurling and a football match on the same day so it's hard to do um but you were also uh i remember the tara had a, a soccer team you played right. with tara yeah there was a good there used to be a very good um i know there was very good league certainly between the kind of if you want to call them the irish teams out here there was about eight or ten teams full of irish guys and uh good old good old competitions between them Oh, yeah, the, the soccer was good old crack, yeah. And where did you play in the soccer? Were you you were outfield, were you? Yeah, I was either a mid, midfield or up front, but you mostly midfield I would have played like um I, I enjoyed the soccer. It was just kinda of, I suppose it was it was a release from the you know, I suppose the hurling is um is serious and you kinda of, you know you're you you've the commitments to make for that, but the soccer was kinda of, look, you weren't you weren't gonna stay in the Saturday night to play soccer on a Sunday morning. You still had you know you could you took the soccer series for the hour and a half, and that was probably it. You know, there was yeah was a good old social thing for the soccer. You know, so it was yeah just it kept, kept you kind of ticking over over the winter as well. You know, so yeah, I suppose spring and uh, spring and the fall before the before the GAA season started, kind of after it ended, really was when the soccer season kick in. That's right. Year, yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah, but I remember. Uh, reading the irish emigrant remember the emigrant which is no longer in circulation there was talk of the new england revolution looking for clinton hennessy do you remember any of that i do i do i think the revolution were just starting up at the time and then they were kind of just i suppose looking for anyone that would kind of would uh would go over them sorry was it as a goalie no, it was the, it, there was, I got some award, um, an award that was, I think it was the Emigrant Response, Mick McCarthy presented it down in downtown, it was, um, most valuable in the league or something like that, but um, yeah, it was talk, but I think it, I, I was, I had intended to go into the trials, but they happened to land on one day after we had a championship in Tipperary in the Hurland, so it didn't, um, didn't work out, it work out. That was the end of that. That before it even started. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, it was Mark Stokes. I remember Mark Stokes was a sports editor. Right. He, uh, I know he had kind of, he had kind of written about you as a, as a prospect for the revolution. Would have been a bit of, would have been a bit of crack if you'd gotten in squad just to see how, how it all yeah. worked. But then, you know, that could have put an end to the hurling too, you know. I, I, I probably wasn't never as much and all as enjoyed the soccer. The hurling is in the blood, and it's kind of what you want to do. And you know, I really enjoyed. It. Enjoyed playing soccer, but it was kind of more of a social uh, thing yeah. rather than being serious. Um, now, your own kids, obviously, you're you're primarily a hurling club. Do they play any football in Antrim? No, they stick, they stick a knife in the football up here. They <laughs> 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 Yeah, 
<laughs> like it's all hurling, huh? I suppose, yeah. yeah. That's what um, that's what I've been told a few times. Just stick a knife in the football. I know. Well, especially lucky. You've done life a bit of football, right? Um, but not not in lucky Lyon. Yeah. Um. Now, when you went home, you were still young, still young for like you were. It's not like you went back home like a lot of people in their kind of early mid thirties. You you still had like a lot of a lot of gas left in the tank as a player. Yeah, I was I was 25, and um, I suppose I kind of knew if I didn't go that time, I probably was never going to go. Like you know, and um, our club had gone, had gone from junior to senior in two years. Yeah. You know, it was our first time ever being senior at Hurland, so um, you know, it was just a good time for me to go. And then probably September 11th had happened before, and kind of you know, just was put 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 you thinking like, am I here for the long haul to go home? Yeah, and then. And I thought that I, I met Michelle and she was willing to move to Waterford, so it made it easier. Um, were there any kind of, uh, you know, phone calls from, from Waterford, from the club or the county? Or was it just a decision that you kind of said, you know what, I'm not planning on staying in this for the long term and, and now is the time to head back? Yeah, it, it wasn't really, it wasn't a hurling thing to go back. It was kind of, well, you know, it was more of a club to go back to the club, but. Look, there's, there's, there's still uh, people saying in Waterford that I got called to go back. I didn't, county, I didn't. Like, you know, you don't, they don't just call you back from America after never playing the county before. So, look, there, there was probably people asking us, but I had to go with them at the club first. And we were, um, you know, the fact that we were senior, I suppose you were on the shop window. And it was probably more, there was a there was an opening in goals for Waterford. It wasn't that, you know, I wasn't going to go back from America and go to somewhere like Tipperary and take Brendan Cummins' place. Whereas in Waterford, there was struggling, struggling for a keeper. There was a spot there to be be taken if, if you got a break like you know and that's kind of that was it was in the back of my head but it wasn't totally a hurling decision to go home yeah yeah but it must have been uh kind of a, a big challenge there you know i know you were a goalkeeper but to to transition at that stage from having played out here to um to playing back at home even at like senior club level must have been uh, a big challenge for you it was yeah i suppose when you when you go back you think you're kind of in good shape and you're you're kind of up to that standard. You're not like you know. You've, I had a lot of work to do when I got back even to the club. I kind of I wasn't as fit as I probably should have been, or fit as some of the other lads were. And yeah, you no, know, just kind of. So I kind of had the year probably. I went back in April, so I wasn't had had a few months to kind of get going. Like and um, just we, we we probably got a tough draw with the senior championship with the club, but it probably it worked out for me because we were probably playing the bigger clubs, the bigger. We played Mount Sinai in our first game, played Lismore and Ballygunner, which would have been probably three top teams. So. That kind of put you in the shop window. So whereas they were a bad draw for the club, I suppose in a selfish way, it was probably good for me. I was probably going to be busy, and, yeah. and you know, they're the team that managers are watching. Yeah, yeah. Did you find your for you know stepping out onto senior hurling championship, Waterford County Championship as a goalkeeper? Was it? I don't know. Did you find yourself like a little apprehensive, or sort of once this all going to work out, or did you feel pretty confident that you you know able well, to perform? Well. I- I made my championship debut in Crow Park in the All Ireland quarterfinals, so it was probably turning the deep end of it. And I was actually I was hurling so well coming up to it. I was the confidence was high and I suppose it just locked out the whole thing, the occasion and what it was. Yeah. You know, I suppose just one thing that stick in my head, we we were up in Crow Park the week before that match and um we played a game in Parnell Park. Um, played very well in that. We went to Crow Park then for the tour around. I was actually in Crow Park. I actually found Crow Park more daunting that week, empty, than I did when actually went in to play the match. <laughs> it just looked so big when it was empty. But then when the match was on the following week, with the crowd yeah. in it, it didn't seem as as that's daunting. Like, it was hard to explain, but it was just kind of that's the way I felt about it. And um, 
No, just just you just have to kind of blank out everyone else that they aren't confident in the game, and I, I was hurling really well coming up to it, so probably you know just try to you're just hoping to get you get a little as possible to do it right. <laughs> so you went back in um, you went back in after the in 2002, right? You went back from Boston, and yeah. then you made your so you went back to the club, and and how many years was it before you played that quarter final or major your your county? Debut. Many years to take yeah, it. was 2005. I actually left Boston in 2003. We'd won the North American two. I went back the following April 2003. Yeah. And then it was I got called onto the panel for 2004 after the Monster Final. And then the following year, 2005, I made my championship debut. Then it was pretty, pretty impressive. Move, move fairly fast, but um. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you kind of you were you know you locked your place down on the team then after that. Yeah, I did. I, I kind of went well for me that quarterfinal, even though we lost to Cork. Uh, I played fairly well, and you know, well, just nothing spectacular. Just did did everything right, and that's probably all you can ask for. I suppose you, in your first game, you probably are a bit selfish, and you're worried about your own performance. Yeah. Um, of course, you want to win, and you want everything else. But you are kind of thinking about yourself a bit more, and then you get more experience. So, um, no, um, I did. Uh, I kind of secured my play. I played well for a few years there, and um, I suppose it was probably steady rather than spectacular. Just steady from. I suppose if you're not making mistakes. Um, yeah. You know, you're not being highlighted. It's kind of going okay for a few years anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you had a, a big year in 2007 with Waterford. Yeah, that was, um, I suppose it was special. Kind of my first medal was 2007 in the National League. Um, yeah. was beating Kilkenny in the final. That was a big one. And then a few weeks later, we won the Munster Championship as well. So kind of like to, to win to win two medals like that in, in one year was great. Yeah, especially beating Kilkenny. It, it was. It was a psychological. It was a big thing too, you know. Um, um, but we never got to meet him later on the year. We kind of we thought maybe that might help us later on the year, but we Limerick beat in the semi final, so we didn't even get a crack at Kilkenny that year. But that was probably the year we were most prepared for having a crack at the All Ireland. You know that we were probably we were we were kind of experienced and we were good enough. We just kind of uh, you know Limerick beat us in the semi finals. Yeah. Just... Yeah, you beat Limerick in the Munster final that year, isn't that right? We did we beat him? We beat him. Um, nine points in the Munster final but it, it, you know that wasn't the reflection of the game we've been at the end but we played Cork in the quarterfinal drew a Cork and then we had to play Limerick the week after so the three weeks in a row was look it's not an excuse it did um, it was it was tough on us like, a, like but in hindsight they should have asked for the game um, to be the Limerick game to be delayed a week and, and we were entitled to do that and, and Cork in all accounts had that arranged that they'd beaten us in the quarterfinal that they wouldn't be out the following week so but so we were probably a bit naive, you know, there was a bit of a sense of people saying, look, we're on a roll, we're, you know, yeah. we hadn't been on the league, we won the Munster, we're on a roll, keep going. But, you know, it's more of a little tiredness comes into it, you know, travelling to Dublin every week and then you have to come down and up again. It's, you know, it's uh, it's very tiring. Like, but, and and hard, must be hard to beat, you know, to beat a good team twice in quick succession. Exactly. We, we actually played um, five games in the championship and, and we only played two teams, Cork and Limerick. We played Cork and the Mile as well, but... Um, yeah, it is yeah. always hard. Like sometimes you learn a lot from losing. I suppose they probably learned a lot from the Munster final um, defeat yeah. as well. You know, probably more so than uh, it wasn't that we took them for granted. Just they, they got a good start, and they, you know, we 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 struggled to, to come back after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, it must have been nice to win a Munster. Like aside from an All Ireland in hurling, Munster Championship medal is a big achievement. Ah, geez, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like you know, especially the league and the Munster. They were my first two medals, and to win them so close to each other and. Yeah, Look, I know we'll always talk about the All Ireland, but um, for me, like growing up watching Waterford getting hammered, um, there's plenty of good hurlers played for Waterford for a long time and never won any medals, so yeah. you have to be, you know, grateful that for what you what you have. Yeah, and uh, you know that team, that Waterford team, 
got to an All Ireland final and years later. And the year after it was. Yeah, yeah, and I know you, <laughs> yeah, you played that Kilkenny <laughs> team, which was a tough, a tough ask, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose the less said about that, the better. But no, um, I suppose, as, as I said, I think, I think by that stage we probably our chance with that team. Um, I think five, six, and seven, we were probably. At the peak of that team was kind of, I think we would have given Kilkenny a better run at it any of them years or, or whoever we would have met. But um, in eight, we were kind of after, there was a change of manager in the middle of the year. Justin McCarthy left and Davy Fitz came in. And okay. we, we probably got lucky to get to the final, to be honest with you. Um, the draw was terrible, as in we got, um, you know, and Wexford awfully, no disrespect to them. But, you know, as in it was a favourable draw and then we, we caught it in the semi-final. But... I probably said it to a few people. Probably the one game I played in my career at Water that I actually was going out in hope rather than belief. I know it's easy to say it after, but I knew we needed so much to go right for us because, yeah. you know, probably got the, the worst team over in two years, probably, if you know what I mean. I thought we were in better positions other years to challenge rather than that year. Yeah, yeah. I would just say, like, Waterford, obviously, like you, you mentioned earlier, that went back first. Or E. Waterford were sort of a little bit in the doldrums when it came to Munster Hurland, but they rose up pretty quickly for those years. Um, and would you say that that's kind of built up a level of kind of standard for the county that's going to last? Um, yes, but look, expectations are pretty good because I remember um, Waterford won in 2002 was the first Munster Championship in 39 years. And, and like I remember lads that were there before me saying that they were training thinking if we could ever win the Munster Championship, unbelievable. Yeah. Then you win that and you win a couple and then it's all of a sudden the monster championships aren't good enough anymore, it's in all Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose like it and it's water twenty over twenty years so and we kinda of, we haven't dropped off too far, so yeah. um there's a big expectation there. And hurling is bigger in water now than it was thirty ago. You know, when I was growing up hurling wasn't as big. There's so many kids playing it now and um, you know there's good structures in Waterford now to bring on players so it's it's healthy it's an healthy place now to stay at the top table at least be competitive anyway yeah yeah and it's a it's kind of it's funny how things have turned around because you know just on the the inter-county scene where I suppose if you went back to around the early 2000s saying there's only it's only Tip Kilkenny or Cork could really ever win in All-Ireland and now you've got, you know, six or seven counties in the conversation. You know, you're looking at Galway and Clare and Limerick and Waterford as well. And, uh, you know, I suppose, this, do you, what do you think? Do you think that comes down to the change in the structure for the championship? Or, or is it more like you just mentioned, counties have organised the coaching and, and kind of are much more methodical, you know, around coaching kids, kids up and developing talent? I think that's what it boils down to, Roy. You know, starting starting lower blocks and kind of bringing it up rather than trying to change it overnight. It takes a lot of time. It takes years in the building, and I think that's what it is. You know, going by Limerick, um, especially, uh, you know, they've had underage success. success that, you know, before that senior, that came, a lot of underage underage success. So it definitely is from coming from starting with development squads now are big now as well. Like and. Yeah. I suppose like Kenny and Tip and Cork, they've, they've set the standards so everybody knows they have to kind of get up to them to, to compete. Like, and you know, it's, it's great, it's great to see like Limerick and uh, you know, even Galway win it, even though well, it wasn't great to see them win it to beat us in the final. But, um, you know, just see different teams, it's great to see different teams because there in the late 2000s, it was Kenny going to win it most years. The only team that was Kenny was Tip, yeah, you know, it was kind of you were really getting fed up with it, you know, it was kind of you just want someone, someone new. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose on, on that subject, you know, um, football has kind of become the way hurling was a little bit where, you know, Dublin might be the, the little Kenny of football. And then you've got, you know, maybe Kerry or Tyrone or, or Donegal as, as having an outside chance. But um, do, would you see the same thing happening, do you think, where, you know, Dublin would drop off and other counties will come up and become kind of more competitive again? Yeah, I think it will. I do. I'd say maybe a year or two yet, maybe. But look, I suppose when Kilkenny were winning, I suppose we all thought they were going to stop winning. But now, like they've got a good old spell now, and they're, they're you know, they're, they're they're probably a bit away. They're still in the mix, but they're they're not they're not dominating, you know. And I suppose as I said in the late two thousands, we thought they were going to win them for every year, and all of a sudden they're kind of craving they need to win one again shortly, probably. Already a bit of a crisis in Kilkenny for, for them. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose for Kilkenny. Um, but come here, you had some. Um, obviously, you'd played against you know an awful lot of an awful lot of the, the top players in the country. Who would you say did you hate lining out against, or you'd hate to see them taking their spot in the opposing forward line the most? Is there any players that you like? Oh God, here we go. Yeah. I get asked that question a good bit over the years with different kids and all about who, who the forwards are and I suppose are the same answer for the most the biggest threat to me and as a goal scoring forward Don Kelly from Tipperary yeah you know I, I, I know Sheffield was probably a different kind of threat he probably where Kelly get the ball and there was a chance he was going to go for a goal every time or yeah. you know Sheffield was probably you know was a great, great player and he was probably not as big a goal threat as Owen Kelly would have been you know yeah. what I mean? For me personally, Owen Kelly stands out because he just he just had them he had them wrists and he hit some strike of a ball too. Yeah, and I'm also you know as a as a hurling goalie, it's nearly I don't know a daunting job where you not only have to deal with I suppose players like Owen Kelly that I just mentioned who'd come barreling through looking to drive the ball into the net, but you also have to hold your nerve under high balls when fellas are coming in and. You know, and you're not wearing any protection. Why do you think? I know you loved it though. What was it? You, was there yeah, any? I, I, what did you I, love I, about I it? Don't no won't go near the position. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just, I suppose it is holding your nerve and being a bit calm inside there. I suppose, and I suppose that playing the county, I probably learned not to kind of be involved in other stuff either. When you're younger, you kind of get involved, and your concentration goes, and you just need to stay, stay concentrating. But I thought it was just it's concentration needs to be 100 percent at that level. Is you know you just can't switch off. The game can be lost in one minute. You know so. I suppose, yeah. I suppose you, 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 that's what I mean about what I said to you earlier about having an understanding with your backs and all like that. Yeah. I I always just said to the fullback was hold him out. I take the ball, just hold him out. Don't let him be. You know, and then at least you know you have a clean catch to make. Where being challenged, it's a you know I said to the fullback don't take don't even you worry about the ball. I'll, I'll take the ball. You just keep him outside. Yeah. You know once you kind of that relationship it kind of makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, I suppose now now that you're retired, um, have you had any thoughts? I know some of your your former teammates, Dan Shanahan, there's involved with the Waterford management team. Have you ever ever thought about about that? Yeah, I did. It crossed my mind a few times, and I suppose it's just uh, probably at the moment my own kids are young, and I kind of you know trying to they they kind of want me there now, but I suppose when they, when they get a bit older, they won't want me there. You know, and they kind of. <laughs> Get into their teenage years, they, they'll be uh, I'll be embarrassing. They won't be won't be around, but they kind of at eight and ten, under eight and under ten now. They kind of want you to go to the games and you to to be around, but that will probably change in a few years. So maybe when they get a bit older, I might have more time. It's kind of hectic now, but you know it's not even hurling, it's swimming and soccer. It's just like a full time taxi 
drive around now. <laughs> like most parents that get, yeah, or most parents getting involved with their kids. Um, and then on your own team, you know, you you obviously played with an awful lot of great hurlers and some characters there, like John Milan, for example. You know, I suppose what would your do you think back on your on your intercount career with Waterford? Well, you know, what would your be your abiding memories or the the memories that I suppose you'd you'd hold dearest to you from your? Um, I suppose there's a couple of games I suppose that um, stand out. And I, I suppose overall, I suppose we had we had a great we had a lot of character in the team and we had an awful lot of fun. Now, you know, probably there's a lot of crack in every county team, but you know, I think we I think we just had so many characters. The trips away and the holidays, the team holidays, and even training was always a bit of crack and all. But um, I suppose games wise, winning any of the Munster Championship in 2010 under lights in a replay against Cork, winning that was was special. Like different, just different, I suppose. And I suppose. Getting to the final in 2008, winning that semi-final against Tip, you know, was our it was our first. We got over line after a lot of lads at the finals and at that stage, and it was kind of. I just remember when the final whistle went that day, the roar. I never heard a roar as loud in my life. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't end didn't end the way we wanted after that, but you know that's still still a great day. Getting you know winning that semi-final and with the relief and everyone's faces was was great. You know, there's, there's a lot of good things too. You know, on and off the field, like even. You meet a lot of them boys now. You can see for a while, and you know it's just you just you say you meet them every week. You know friendships like that where you go a while without seeing somebody, and then you meet them, and it's just still a great relationship with that team. Anytime yeah. we meet. Um. So any any plans on coming out to Boston anytime in the near future? Not to play, but <laughs> yeah. um. I actually I was actually it was in my it was in my head to kind of make a trip September October this year. Um, yeah. Before this kicked off, I kind of about four over nearly four or five years since I've been there, so I kind of I kind of get the itch every every when it gets to four or five years, I get an itch to make a trip out. So um, yeah, but I don't know when that's going to happen. Now Rory could be another year or two maybe. Yeah, yeah, the way things are going, you know, I'm sort of thinking the same thing about getting back home. I suppose what can you do? Yeah, no, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see because I, I I'd like to get out some summer. There's a bit of hurling or something, but um, we'll we won't it won't be the next few months anyway. I think, but it looks. Well, thanks, Clinton, for uh, for chatting. No problem, Roy. Thank you. Pleasure. And uh, you know, all the best up there in, in Antrim. Yeah, thanks, Roy. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll probably get 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 sucked into that those rivalries as you did in Waterford if you're not already. I think I think um, don't lie in Loch Eel is the biggest rivalry since Tipperary Tom's. <laughs> <laughs> well, come here. Last question: um, Did you play any hurling up and then went back? I did. I played a bit of um, intermediate hurlers, like Lockheed had three teams. So I, I played field actually. I didn't play goal. Lockheed had two good senior goalkeepers. So I wasn't really, you know, at that stage, I wasn't going to play senior hurling anyway at the end. So yeah. I just played a bit of intermediate, really just for a bit of crack more so on the ocean side, to get to know fellas and stuff like that, you know, just to keep a bit and stuff. Uh, how did they take to, uh, how did the Antrim boys take to Waterford fella coming That's out? Just they didn't, they didn't mind, I suppose, any, any help they were getting, they were happy. So, no, we had a good old crack. Yeah, 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 that's good. Well, anyway, Clinton, I'll let you go. Uh, again, thanks for taking the time. No problem, uh, best, of luck with, uh, you know, best of luck with the kids and the club and everything at home. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, Rory. I'll talk to you when I get, up to, when I get to Boston. <laughs> Thank you, Clinton. So now it's over to Mike and Alec chairpersons of the New Hampshire Wolves and the Providence Hurling Club. 
Providence and New Hampshire compete in the New England Junior B and Junior C Hurling Championships uh, with a group of six clubs that are comprised almost entirely of American-born players competing for honours at the local and national levels each year. We talk about the Junior B and C Hurling Championships and the rivalries amongst the clubs and also about recruiting and coaching challenges that uh, New Hampshire and Providence face each year as well as the prospects for the sport on a wider level within the region and uh, also around the country so mike and alec thanks for joining us so i guess we start off with alec and uh, you know just tell us alec um how you got involved or what piqued your interest in in hurling you know as a maybe a little bit of background about yourself and um you know as an american who you know i don't know if you had any connections um to the game or if it was something that you just you know heard about through friends or saw it somewhere online or how, how did you get how did you get involved first of all yeah sure rory well first of all i appreciate you having us on with you uh i would say the my love of hurling really started in ireland uh, i was 20 and i was uh, over with my family um and we were fortunate enough to see some games in croke park uh which was just an extraordinary experience and that really kind of piqued my interest in NBA in general and then I actually met the lads on the then Barley House Wolves at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Manchester. And that's where the whole thing started for me. So um, it's been a love affair ever since. Uh, and as an American, it's, it's a privilege every day I get to step on the And I, I'd say that, um, you know, having gone to Ireland and seen the game, obviously, you know, when we hear about the story of the, the Wolves Hurling Club, it was um, seeing the game in Shannon Airport on the TV that I guess got the original group of guys interested you probably couldn't believe your luck when you realized that there was a hurling club close by you in new hampshire oh it was it was an amazing stroke of luck to be honest with you um and i never would have thought that i would have found a group of guys that would have shared an interest that's so to this day still very obscure in american culture i think it's it's uh amazing that we have the ability to do this and that there's uh, an outlet for it because i don't know what i would do without it so (laughs) that's great and mike um i know you are uh, a founder of providence is that true yeah it's actually our five-year anniversary uh this year so mm-hmm. congratulations thank you cheers cheers yeah um so yeah thanks rory for having having us on uh my story uh, my parents are from uh, north Kerry, uh so uh, i grew up going home and you know seeing my cousins older cousins playing but never had any idea that i could do it too because mm-hmm. i i played basketball and soccer and didn't i never did never played any stick sports so um it wasn't until uh, my brother moved to seattle uh many years later and found a team there and the Seattle Gales are a team that have been around for forever uh, up in the Northwest. Um, and then when, when I found out he was doing it, I, I was actually living outside of New York in Hoboken, New Jersey, and uh, happened to be living there when the team started there, the Hoboken uh, guards uh, hurling club in, in 2010. So I was there that I wasn't, a, I wasn't one of the ones who got it started, but I was there the first year and, and, and contributed to that team getting started. Um, so, I lived there for another couple of years in Hoboken and moved in 2012 up to uh, Providence. And uh, I actually played with Worcester for a bit. I knew a couple of guys there. Um, I practiced with them when I first moved here, but I broke my thumb in one of the uh, training sessions. So that, uh, and I changed jobs. So I kind of moved away from the Worcester scene. And uh, in 2014, I uh, ran into a, uh, 
a young man living on my street uh, who was who had a hurl in his hand as I was walking my dog, and I asked him where he, you know, what how he got it and what he was doing, and it was Mike Walsh. Uh, he went over to was in uh, Ireland with his father, and he saw the game and he brought a bunch of hurls back. And I said, hey, if you ever want to start a team, I live two doors up. So I think it was a week later, he knocked on my door and said, you know, let's do it. So, and then it was just a confluence of finding people and marching in parades and going to street fairs from there. And uh, how, so how did you, I suppose that was going to the next question for, for um, you know, the Providence Club. Seeing as you've been there from the beginning, you know, how did you, you two guys, obviously both of you very interested and, and Mike, if I'm not mistaken, from, from seeing him playing in Canton, at least, is a, is a pretty passionate guy about the game. Um, but how would you go about getting enough fellas together to, um, you know, take up a, a brand new sport that a lot of the guys I'm sure had never heard of? Yeah, it was uh, a lot of luck. Again, living on the same street uh, was a stroke of luck. Um, and we also, uh, Brendan McGinn, who uh, played also played for Worcester, and they had told us that one of their players lived around Providence. And we found, he found us in a kind of a fortunate way. He played um, in Cork. Um, so he was our kind of connection to, you know, the real Irish player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just finding different, different uh, Irish Americans who, or, you know, Irish guys, a couple of them. Uh, we marched in the St. Patrick Day Parade in Providence in 2015. And there was, it was me, Mike Walsh, uh, Austin, a friend of his, and my nephews, and Dave O'Connor, a couple of people, just to make it look like we had numbers, uh, waving <laughs> flags and carrying a, a banner I printed up at Staples the morning of. Um, <laughs> so from there, again, it was street fairs and uh, uh, just you know, every any opportunity we got to get in a newspaper or street fairs, just going and um, and and then you know finding local university, Brown Universities near here. We found some guys from there, so. Um, yeah, it was just a, a slow process that uh, just came together, and we've we've kept a good core, and uh, we keep recruiting constantly. Yeah, and I guess early on you have to try to, um, you know, you said you kind of like bluff it almost to make it look like you're legit to attract people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, make it till you make it. <laughs> you have to do what you have to do, right? Yeah. Um, and Alec, now we, the the story for the Barley House, well, you were known as the Barley House Wolves, now the New Hampshire Wolves, um, has been well documented in um, newspapers and TV, uh, you know, video clips about how a group of <clears throat> National Guardsmen went to Iraq, deployed for a year, came back and, and saw the game in the Shannon Airport. <clears throat> um, but the club has moved on. Uh, to a large extent, I guess, from those early days when when it was mostly service people involved, would that be true to say? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that that's an accurate assessment. You know, we do still carry you know our veteran roots very you know deeply within the club, um, but more and more we are finding a mix of you know civilian. Uh, fire, police, you know, that sort of thing. It's not just a straight military club as, as much as it used to be. In fact, I would say when I first started with the team uh, going on 10 years now, uh, it was almost exclusively military. You know, the civilian guys were the outliers in the whole situation. Uh, we were practicing on military bases, which was always fun because you had to show them your ID as you entered to make sure to practice and, and other sorts of hijinks like that. Um, but now the team is definitely more diverse. Uh, yeah. We still definitely have, you know, veterans uh, as a presence in the, in the club, and they're they're an important part of our, our history and still in our present as well. But yeah, we've uh, moved on to a much more kind of wide range of players. Yeah, so still still a big part of of the club's fabric, but um, 
you know, I guess part of the, the foundation for the club is still there in the club. And, and um, you know, I've heard it. I've heard uh, some of your colleagues mention how, you know, coming back from being deployed, it's been a kind of a lifesaver. And I'm sure that's that's still the case for for some guys who join who might have might have served in the military. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are. I don't think that. I know that there are multiple guys in the team uh, that use hurling as an outlet um, for them. Uh, it's a way for them to kind of process some of their some of their feelings and emotions. Uh, you know, that come with the service for the country. Uh, you know, I think that it's important that this sport and sport in general can be used to help service, you know, veterans and, and allow them to reenter society. Uh, it's great for camaraderie and brotherhood, which was the whole reason why that, you know, the team was founded in the first place. It was right. to keep the guys coming back from their deployment together as a group, because they found that, you know, post deployment guys kind of scatter to the four winds and, you know, you really lost that sense of brotherhood, which is really important to players. So. Right. Right. And you've been with the club about how long, Alec? Uh, going on 10 years. This is my, I think this is my ninth full season. And um, when you first joined the Wolves, how many other junior clubs were there in the New England region at the time, do you recall? Uh, yeah, so we were playing, we were playing Worcester at that point. We were playing Portland at that point. But uh, I think Hartford was right after, probably a year or two after I joined. And then obviously Providence has been later on. Uh, and then the boys down there in Boston are the newest, you know, kind of post-Providence edition. Yeah, Sean Oates. Correct, exactly. Yep. Yeah, for the for the all American all American clubs. Now in New England, um, I guess you know, I'm, for myself, having been involved for for a year or two with the USGAA, um, and you look around the United States, you know, we're kind of. We're kind of cubby holed up in our, our corner of the country here in a lot of ways. But, you know, you look at some clubs in Midwest, California, especially the, you know, not necessarily the city clubs or the traditional kind of old school clubs, but, you know, the clubs that have been founded by and have been run by native born Americans <clears throat> that there's, you know, pretty long distances to travel between games. Um you know, you hear about clubs traveling for, I don't know, seven, eight hours to get to, to play a game. And in New England, we're, relatively speaking, pretty compact. So how, how would you say that? Do you, do you feel like you're maybe fortunate is, is not the word, but in a lot of ways lucky that you're, you've kind of got five, five clubs um, in close, relatively close proximity? um alec i suppose yeah no and it's it's amazing because you know growing the 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 game in new england has allowed for a you know as you said before a much more robust kind of league um i know that we have one of our guys from um used to play for pittsburgh and even they used to have to travel you know four or five hours for a game um and i can't even imagine what it must be like in the midwest where it's literally six to 10 hours of travel to, to get to a game. You know, they have to play two big tournaments a year, basically, to get their game. You know, we're incredibly lucky to have a league where we can play home and away series most most years against both, you know, against all the teams in the league. Um, we can fill the summer with with fixtures and then, you know, kind of build towards the national. So it's, it, no, I, I couldn't have asked for a better scenario as far as a hurling team and a hurling league to, to play in. Yeah, and, and Mike, you, would you say that's helped you know, Providence being, I, I mean, apart from Sean Oggs, I, I guess we shouldn't leave Sean Oggs out as a, as a, you know, all-American hurling club based here in uh, 
at the cultural center in Canton, but from a, you know, keeping people interested, would you say that's a, a major factor? Uh, definitely. Um, you know, I can't, I don't know the percentage of people that don't even know what the sport is when we first introduce it to them. Um, or they, you know, they think it's curling, you know, the old jokes that everyone says, but, um, it, just letting them know and, and telling them how lucky we are. A lot of times, you know, they're like, Oh, we have to go to Portland. It's a, you know, however, three hour drive. And I, I continually tell them how lucky we are that it's a, you know, it's a day, you know, we can turn around in a day and, and be done with it or stay over. Um, but it's, it is, I think, having that competition there. I couldn't imagine you'd have to build the club twice as big in one of those places just to get the practice time because you otherwise, you know, you couldn't travel that many hours for a game without having it. So, yeah, that's definitely. And having Canton so close is, is unbelievable, too. So as a kind of a, a little bit of a, a central point, it's almost like a, kind of the, the spokes of a wheel where. Canton is kind of the center and you you kind of go up to Portland, New Hampshire, Worcester, Hartford, Providence. Um, everyone Everyone's kind of uh, strung out along 495 or is it 95? 495 or 95? Yeah. <laughs> so um, now given, you know, I suppose the history of the clubs and how long you've been around. Um, I know you, you all of the clubs compete in the same New England league i guess we call it the junior c league um but uh for the wolves and worcester worcester are the current usgaa junior b champions and um alec you have to remind me have the wolves i know you had a tough loss against allentown a couple of years ago in in in, uh, in philadelphia have he have he managed to lift that cup yeah, so it's funny. We, we always seem to be the bridesmaids and never the bride, um, unfortunately. Uh, 2013, we did win the Junior C National Championship. That was actually against Allentown. So it was a funny kind of retribution story for them, unfortunately. Um, and B, right? Junior C initially, but yeah, B was the last competition. So we haven't won a B championship. Uh, we've been in the B final, I think, four times over the last five years. Wow. Uh, or six years, and we just we can't get over that hump. We were in the B final in Boston. Uh, the last time it was in Boston, um, and we were in the B final again the year before. We were actually were in the C final this year. So we we're always hanging around the finals. Uh, we just can't ever seem to get over that little lip, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's uh, you know, no matter what championship you try to win, it's it's never easy to win a championship. So I guess. When you do, you 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 have to celebrate. Um, but since you know you're in North America or USGAA Junior B, and um, Michael Providence is in Junior C. So internally, you know, I suppose from Providence's standpoint, you know, and you look at you come up against the Wolves. You know, do you feel that that playing against a team that might be a, a standard or, or level maybe that you would aspire that kind of helps your game? Helps you see, you know, look at look at how good these these guys are. We can get there too. Whoop. Yeah. Sorry. That's that's always the case. I mean, it's uh, I mean, you guys are always the bridesmaids, but we we just barely got invited to the wedding. So I mean, <laughs> it's tough to. Uh, but uh, no, it's it's great seeing how they did it and and, and the commitment. We know and we use all of them, all the other teams as examples to the the guys in our club to work harder. And work on our skills because uh, we know it's going to be a tough match and fair. Um, Concord, you know, or New Hampshire, rather, every time we go up there or they come down, 
it's always going to be a fair, tough fight. It's never um, no dirty stuff. And we always respect them for that, um, for sure. Um, and the same, you know, the, most of the teams in the league are great. It seems us in Portland uh, and Hartford always kind of hang. Hartford kind of goes up and down. Uh, but us in Portland, it seems we're always kind of on par. And the Sean Oaks, like they, you know, they've been playing their whole lives. So and they're they're young, obviously. That's uh, doesn't help uh, us old guys on the team. But uh, just showing that, and and hopefully, you know, getting uh, we're trying to get. You know, we'll have a couple of guys in high school or college age. Uh, we we really try to push that. Um, and even a youth program, which we've been trying to tackle that for a couple of years, it's just so so difficult to get the resources to do that. But uh, uh, that's that's the aim is to try to push to get to to play against these guys and play them a little uh, closer. I guess from a you know skills development, you've um, you know you got a bunch of guys who are taking up the game. I don't say it's not later in life, but I suppose relatively speaking, when you mentioned the Sean Oaks there, Mike, and uh, how they've been coached and playing hurling since they were six and seven years old. And, you know, you're looking at high school guys and maybe teenagers picking up picking up hurling. Um, so uh, you you must have a big emphasis on, on you know, the because the, it is a game that requires, as we all know, you know, fine, fine-tuned skills. You know, to pick up the ball, striking the ball, taking freeze, all of that kind of stuff. So you must spend hours practicing those skills or trying to coach. You know, for coaching those skills. You know, how do you do? You bring in. I know you said you had an. Uh, what was his name? Um, Brendan McGinn. Brendan, yeah, you had yeah. Brendan helping you there. But you must spend hours on the basic skills of the game. Yeah, and that's that's one of the, the tougher things is um, parsing out the – we'll always have new recruits. Time to, to have someone take them aside. At the same time, the guys who have been working hard for a couple of years, um, having them go the higher skills and more scrimmaging is right. – it's it's it, when the numbers are down it's it's definitely harder but uh you know we'll take anybody we've got a guy who joined the team when he was uh 52 years old uh and he lost 30 pounds and he's uh you know he, he's doing he's cracking you know so it's like um it, it's these are you know he should if there was a weight loss we I don't know we could sell the program maybe we'd get more hurlers if we made it a, a weight loss program but um yeah it's it's constant battle and that's what uh, during the the pandemic uh we kind of had you know, little, you know, video yourself doing, you know, 30 pickups or, you know, soloing for however long, doing little skills challenges to keep people interested and, and involved. So it's always a battle. And even myself, I mean, I've been playing for, uh, I guess, 12 years now. Um, but, you know, I, I, if I don't practice, I, I, it quickly falls apart, the little skill I have. Yeah, yeah. And Alec, um, you know, watching, uh, watching the Wolves playing, um, yeah, there's some some really some really good players in that team, um. But for the newbies, is it kind of the same story as as Mike? You kind of have to almost do a separate rookie camp type of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the main the main thing, and it's interesting to me because I have this con- you know kind of conversation with my board members all the time. Is you know why didn't we start a Gaelic football team? Because those skills are so much more akin to what Americans are used to doing. You know, dribbling a basketball, kicking a soccer ball. Those are things that they're used to. Whereas hurling is this kind of foreign amalgamation of all these different skill sets. You know, some guys who used to play hockey um, pick it up fairly fairly easily. It's a similar stick skill to that. But you really you know you kind of get American kids that maybe played a little bit of baseball, maybe played some lacrosse, and they, and they kind of bring their own kind of stylistic elements to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the skills themselves are, like I said, it, and like Mike said, it's, it's though developing those skills in particular when you're in your twenties is, is not an easy task. Um, you have to kind of force guys to forget everything they think they know and kind of go with the program as much as humanly possible, um, in order to try and build those base level skills that they really need to succeed. So, I mean, I know that, you know, some of the guys that you're talking about, Rory, that have been on the team for a while. Um, obviously have a natural athletic ability that they can build off of. Yeah. Um, but the, without the basic skill set that they learned, you know, in the first couple of years playing, they, they wouldn't be what they are today. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, it said with Providence of Brendan there, you know, probably he's a fella who played all his life and kind of picked up a lot of the coaching techniques and stuff and drills from Ireland. How about, how about you? I know, no, a while ago you had, uh, Rory O'Mahony there who was, uh, you know, he was a very highly rated hurler who used to, I think he played with Tipperary in the Boston area first. Yeah, that's that's correct, Roy. Yeah, no, we've had our share of um, Irish influence. There's no question about that. Um, mm. We've had, we had another guy, Bob Grace. He played in Boston for a while. He was up with us for a little while. Um, yeah. But, you know, those have been um, much more sporadic lately. Roy was a, was a steadying influence for the team yeah. early on. Um, and he was really one of the driving forces behind the team reaching the pinnacles that it did, you know, at least about five or six years ago. Right. Um, more realistically lately, we've been much more kind of just American centric in general. Um, but we are obviously still using the same kind of lessons that we learned from those guys along the way, yeah. um, to build on what we have now. So, right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, just talking about, about rivalries, I know a certain, um, Seems like a pretty intense rivalry has developed between yourselves and Worcester, Alec. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there, sometimes there's no love lost with teams, I would say. Um, yeah. And I think that Worcester, um, they're, they're a heck of a team. You know, they, they really they've they've built the team in a strong kind of strategic manner. They're built around, you know, some really quality players and everyone else kind of plays complimentary hurling to that. Um, and they've definitely, they've capitalized when they've had the opportunities, you know, they've, when winning that championship this year was, was a major success for them, yeah. um, at, at a level that, you know, like I said, the year before we lost in that same final. So yeah, it's, yeah. And I suppose I'm kind of thinking, you know, for people who are listening from might listen to this from Ireland, who, who, the notion of hurling teams that are made up not only primarily but exclusively of American-born players, you know, people might kind of think it's well, it's not that competitive. They're probably just trying something new. And uh, I know one of the finals in Boston between yourselves and Worcester. I mean, it was it was pretty intense <laughs> stuff. And uh, at one stage, I think there was a little little bit of a a row or two broke out. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of our guys need to learn that they can't grasp the face mask. Uh, that's an unfortunate uh, hockey thing that kind of has bled over into hurling. Um, and we do, we, it gets a little bit chippy, I would say, with Worcester just in general. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's it's about it's about the sport and it's about passion and it's about competition, which is all that really matters. And I think that really can resonate with people, you know, actually in Ireland because it's, we feel the same way about it as they do. You know, it's an honor to play. It's a privilege to play. And that's all that really matters to us. So, yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can see that. And, uh, you know, with, from, from watching the games and, uh, you know, it's from a, I suppose my own perspective as someone who moved to the Boston area from Ireland. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
to see that you've got players like yourselves who've just taken up the game and are so passionate about it is uh you know it's great to see two teams whether it's providence and uh portland or worcester and the new hampshire wolves just going at it is you know it warms your heart <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean from providence point i've seen i've seen things getting pretty heated out there as well and uh, you know like you say alex i think from um you know i suppose you can't let these things get out of hand, but it, it shows that the, the passion for the games is there with uh, with your clubs and the other clubs. Do you agree? With, well, Mike, you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it didn't take long for rivalries to, to pop up. Uh, so, and I mean, it, the, the camaraderie is where as well. Again, Worcester, uh, I played with them for uh, six months, maybe a few practices. Uh, and when we first started, uh, Jeremiah Nash, who was on our board, uh, whose uh, uncle was on the board, I think, in Boston year, a couple few years ago, or many years ago, uh, went up to Worcester and asked them if we could sit in on their uh, their board, their one of their board, you know, annual meeting. Let they for a portion of it just to see how they ran it. And then Dick Edmonds down in Hartford, right. um, he came up. You know, he we we gave we emailed him when we first started, and he came up. His his brother lives in Providence. He came up and helped us with a couple of practices when there's only four people. Um, just giving us the the you know going down to Hartford it is always very uh, very helpful so it's 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 that dual camaraderie you know fight on the field uh have some pints after that's you tell people they don't believe you but it's you know it's it's a brotherhood because we're so niche and you know we only have each other to talk to about this this insane sport that we play so but it's also about um one of the things that you hear from the the GAA you know GA is about community and I did, you know, most of the time, I mean, I suppose mea culpa, but, um, you know, when I would see your teams playing the, the junior C and junior B league, um, it would be in Canton. But eventually I got myself up to um, to Bow, New Hampshire to watch Worcester versus the Wolves. And the thing that struck me was it was very much a kind of family oriented sort of event where you had kids you had girlfriends wives how important is that um i guess alec we start with you yeah i mean i think that community is everything um you know we received a commendation from the governor of new hampshire um Mm. as the first and only hurling team in the state um you know we were deeply seated in the community as far as sponsorships go um and i think it's important that you know you can grow a team only as far as the people that are around you are willing to carry you. So especially right. in like a grassroots sport like hurling where, you know, w- without family support, without, you know, monetary support from local businesses, without governmental support, you're really, you're really kind of dried up. Um, so, no, we, we definitely try and build a, a family type atmosphere. Uh, sometimes the language gets a little bit colorful, which I'm sure some parents don't necessarily uh, appreciate. Um, but yeah. we try to keep it uh, as clean as humanly possible and, mm-hmm. and just put out a good product on the pitch. So. And Mike, down in Providence, you, 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 you know, you'd see that as, as key as well, I assume. Yeah. I mean, we, we've become um, quickly this little family. I moved to, to Providence uh, eight years ago, I guess. And my wife is from here. So uh, and she was, big supporter of me. She kind of wanted me to, to go into coaching as I've, I've gotten past my, uh, my youth, but, uh, I'm sticking to the, I'll stay on the field until they drag me off. But, 
Um, <laughs> you know, it's I, I had friends of you know from her, but when I started the team, it, it was all of these people. You know, maybe one or two guys knew each other, but it was this group of guys that came together and became a family, and now we're all each other's, yeah. you know, best friends and in their lives, and we have you know we know everybody's you know we're we're all going to each other's houses and helping each other out and uh yeah. and again the community uh, sponsors and you know there was a, an Irish community in Providence that that's kind of got went away and it's we're you know it's kind of coming back we're trying to you know say it's not just about you know it seems to grow get the older crowd comes and you know wants to hear the poetry or the listen to the music was great but we're saying this is something for the young young Irish to try to get the roots going you know it's a young group that wants to uh, to grow the Irish community here so yeah that's that's great to hear, you know, I suppose for a community to come together, like, you know, if you have a older Irish community in Providence, that's kind of drifting, <clears throat> maybe drifting apart a little bit to have to have something as vibrant as a, a hurling club to bring them together is, is great, especially for the especially for, like you said, Mike, for younger people. I mean, that's a great point that it, that they don't see this kind of Irish thing as being the music and poetry and all that stuff like you said that it's actually something they can get involved with um so that's that's great to hear um in terms of uh i know alec you've won a junior c championship and and you've won a couple of boston championships um and mike to i suppose for mike for you it's it's still be a bit an aspiration for the club to to get there right yeah we've you know we've won tournaments um you know, small tournaments, uh, whether it's us against, you know, the, the other teams kind of in a fall fall league. Mm-hmm. Um, and we traveled, we've never won, but we've traveled down to New York for their sevens tournament every year. Right. Um, never won there. That's a tough, a tough slog. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we count our, we have our trophies, uh, that we, but you know, nothing would, 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 um, it, it pales to what, what it would be to win a, you know, Boston or go to the nationals. And that's, you know, yeah. and we're, we're yeah. excited. Uh, obviously you get the, the better ranks and, you know, we yeah. always kind of in the running, we can be in the running, but, uh, it's, uh, it's always the, that would be the, that would be the the goal of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, I mean, there's some serious outfits out there around the country. Um, now oh, Alec, uh, Maybe this question might be more for you, just given the progression of, you know, maybe the wolves are further along the curve in that regard. But, um, you know, I remember in Philadelphia in the semifinal, you had like a, a monster battle against Milwaukee that I think was at single overtime or double overtime, but there was skin and hair flying in that game. Yeah, I almost lost an ear. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, it was it was a it was a real fight. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's amazing to me just watching the teams and the way that everything has kind of progressed. Mm-hmm. I know that my first year was in we went to the Nationals in San Francisco my first year, and the quality of play since then, you know, t- uh, ten years on is just leaps and bounds greater than what it was. You know, you used to be able to guarantee yourselves a couple of wins just based on you know fitness and you know, being a little bit quicker than other teams, but that's not the case anymore. You know, all of these teams are progressing. All of these teams are finding, you know, real Irish influence and actually, you know, putting skills to use. So it's amazing to see the game grow nationally. Uh, you know, and I know that there are teams, you know, forming in what I would consider probably non-Irish bastions like Florida, um, you know, uh, Southwest places where you wouldn't necessarily expect a, a large Irish community, but the hurling pitch, uh, hurling teams are still coming to there. So it's, it really is incredible. I guess, I guess it shows you the appeal of the game. Um, 
you know, just it stands on its own two feet. You don't, you don't. It, I, I, will it will it get to a point? I mean, I'll ask both of you the question. But do you think it'll get to a point where the game breaks out of the kind of Irish connection stage <clears throat> and into something bigger, um, both in New England and uh, around the country? I don't know, Mike. Do you want It's uh, it's got a lot of competition. So you know, I I I was in watch lacrosse grow kind of down. I grew up in Virginia um, and I didn't even know what it was when I was, you know, in high school and my team, my high school had a team um, or, or rugby kind of, I always kind of point to that. Like maybe we'll be where rugby is now in 20 years or, you know, but the competition is, is tough unless it's the field space, you know, the equipment, it's just getting that, it, like, like Alex said, getting these teams in the Southwest or if rather the Southeast and, all these college teams that are popping up every day on Facebook, I'll see a new team, yeah. Notre Dame or um, in the Carolinas. But I think that's where it's got to grow is, is the colleges. I think that'll, when kid, if a kid goes to a college and sees this team running, um, maybe. But but realistically, it's it's tough. It's going to be tough. Again, more, so much competition with all the sports that are here. Unless baseball goes away, maybe, then maybe <laughs> we'll eke back into the top you know, 15 of sports or something. Well, has anyone watched... Um... The uh, any major league baseball this year? I, I know I've hardly watched any. Yeah, no. You know, it's kind of um, yeah. I mean, Ali, would you say we're kind of could could get to a tipping point or or something close to that? Yeah, it it like like Mike said, it's really about the field space. You know, the field, the size of the field is a real uh-huh. difficult thing to to wrap your head around. You know, you, you can play sevens or super elevens or you know one of the modified games that I know obviously um, some true sports fans of the sport find a little bit distasteful. Um, but finding a pitch that actually can hold a match you know, properly is, is a, is a difficult ask. So mm-hmm. without having access to those fields, you really are kind of behind the eight ball. Um, I know that we, you know, we use a field that I wouldn't consider to be uh, athletic grade most of the time, you know, it's kind of more of a meadow, which I, I, I like to feel like is, you know, Irish, <laughs> you know, back in the day, maybe in the 1800s, they would have played on something similar to what we use now. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you, you see it, they play, you know, they play a modified version of Fenway park almost every year. Now, you know, they played down at the Met stadium in New York, but it's yeah. just, it's just not the same. It doesn't have the same feeling as, you know, full sided you know, game of hurling does. So it's hard to see it grow, Unless you start seeing some real, you know, kind of political aspirations from someone who wants to see a field put in place that can actually hold it. Yeah. You know, you're kind of stuck at these places that have fields already um, without being able to really build it past there. So, yeah, I suppose, I suppose back in Ireland, people would just take it for granted. You know, you got every town and village has a GAA field. But um, that's an interesting one there that that just getting a field big enough because it, it is a it is a big field. <laughs> the yeah pitch yeah and and maybe uh, you know <clears throat> one um just one one or two more questions but um uh for the, you mentioned the the super 11s there um alec and you know that was kind of promoted as been something to help develop the game but a lot of what surprised me when it first came out was you you kind of had the usual resistance from a lot of the traditional traditionalists you know the older irish guys that the hurling purists who would who would dismiss it out of hand and say it's not even that's not hurling surprised me was a lot of the um you know the if you want to call your clubs the american clubs or the the junior clubs were taught the same thing (laughs) you know this isn't really hurling this is not what we play do you do you agree with that uh, mike yeah i mean we um 
we went up, <clears throat> excuse me, as a group to watch because uh, the spectacle. It's in Fenway, and you could see yeah. see guys, county players um, playing. But um, it did. We did have to explain to people, you know, this isn't what we do, and, and it makes yeah. sense. You know, it's in Fenway, so it's got to be smaller. But yeah. um, and I understand, you know, games. Some games evolve. Uh, you see changes in other sports happen every yeah. couple of years in some some regards. But yeah, we we definitely differentiate what what happened there with, the, with what we do. Uh, you know, that's not the same thing. I mean, I, I remember being there, people were going crazy over the, the the goal saves and the fights and stuff. Like, well, you can see that if you come out to you know Providence, we've got a field. You can see some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, not the speed, but. I kind of thought it looked like a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to, to to knock the game. I, I mean, it was, to be honest with you, was, I enjoyed the day out in Fenway, just maybe a little bit chilly. But you know, it was a good day out, bit of excitement. Um, but it kind of resembled a bit more like um, lacrosse with hurley sticks, I thought. <laughs> you know? But um, but yeah, it was kind of, I just thought it was interesting to hear from the, the homegrown perspective that, you know, no, this, is, this isn't really what we're... <laughs> What we what we play so um anyway before we go just alec i suppose a question just any you know any words of you know for mike and and providence some of the you know clubs that mightn't be have, haven't been around as long as yourselves and still aspiring to kind of you know you might say well we've been the bridesmaids but some of the other clubs are kind of still trying to even get to be the bridesmaids um any words of advice or you know thoughts from your own experience going you know through the last 10 years with the wolves and seeing how you've how you've grown just in terms of the skills and standards play and so on yeah i think i mean i think the main thing is just you just got to keep you know all pulling in one direction you know um just like anything else where groups of people get together there's going to be political turmoil mm-hmm. you know it's, it's hard to kind of ride out the storms of that um but you know, the main thing is just keep plugging along at it. Um, you know, once you get a core base of players that you can build from, that's really where the, the, the joy in the game comes. You know, you can you can find even just in a club league, in an intra-club league, you know, kind of some really quality hurling. And those moments kind of buoy your spirits moving forward. Um, I know that the way that we view the other clubs in the Northeast is a threat at all times. There's no second class citizenry feelings. You know, when we play Providence or we play Hartford or we play Sean Oaks, those teams could very easily beat us and we're not going to take anybody lightly. And so I think that that's the most important thing to take away. You know, there's definitely no big brother, little brother feelings for us at all. Right, right. Yeah, what I was going to, you know, Alec, just picking up on what you said about politics, um, you know, groups of people and kind of different ideas and so on. I mean, that's just, that is. <laughs> A feature of the GAA, whether you're talking about club committees, whether you're talking about the Boston Divisional Committee, the USGAA, Crow Park. I mean, it's it's all politics, but somehow I guess we tr- we end up trying to figure it out, right? <laughs> Correct, exactly right. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, well uh, thanks very much, um, guys, for getting on on for the uh, the podcast. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, in spite of, I know you, you'd mentioned, uh, Mike, doing some, some stuff to keep people involved during the, the pandemic, which is which is kind of, you know, pretty much shut down the, the season. But, um, 
Yeah, hopefully we'll 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 be back up and running next year. And best of luck with your your recruiting and development and coaching and and we'll see each other on the the side of a, a hurling pitch in 2021. Great. Thanks, Rory. Appreciate the time. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Best yeah, of luck. Cheers, Rory. Thanks. Yeah, Alec. Bye, Alec. Bye, Mike. So thanks for listening, and we look forward to episode four, where we continue our discussions about Gaelic games in the Boston and New England area. Stay tuned to see who our guests are going to be.